to play in the Super Bowl against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Turn handle in left side. Finds a little bit of a hole, keeps his leg moving. He's across the 40, midfield, 45, he's on the run winch. 40, pushes the man, 35, look at him go. He's down to 20, 15, he could go. He is going to go. Touchdown, Seahawks. Oh, my word. A 67-yard run. Marshawn Lynch, unbelievable. The beast is alive and well. Wide receivers to either side. Russell takes the snap. He drops back. He's going to throw down the middle. He's got a man. Come on. It has been decided, maybe since the safety in the first quarter. 12, they're bringing the trophy home. Your Seahawks, Super Bowl 48 champion. Ladies and gentlemen, Seahawks and football fans everywhere, a very warm welcome back to the We Talk Seahawks podcast. I hope you're all doing well. It's draft week when you're listening to this, so I hope you're all getting excited. It's Hopefully we should be quite relevant in this year's draft, so it, there's a... Uh, there's a lot of things to get excited for, hopefully. Um, it's been an interesting off-season so far, and hopefully it's going to only get even more exciting as Thursday rolls around. Um, joining me tonight, as always, is Pez, Mr. Positive himself. How are you doing, mate? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Good. It's been a while, but yeah, looking forward to uh, talking some draft and some potential players we could pick up. Well, we'll probably get disappointed in the end, but you know. Well, you we don't get accustomed to getting our hopes up too much, do we, with Seahawks drafts in recent years? Certainly not first round anyway, but uh, yeah, they can't mess this one up, mate. So let's... Uh, let's it, are you positive. sure? You are oh, positive, Pez. I'm holding you to it, mate. No, no. Do you know what? I'm not I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to take any negative spins here. I'm, I'm lo- looking Good. forward to it. I'm, I'm thinking positive that they're not going to be tits and mess this up. <laughs> Fair enough. Um He's already made some questionable decisions this year, hasn't he, John? So he better he better not make any more. Um, yeah. Josh can't be with us tonight. He's dealing with a dealing with a little uh, little family thing going on. So we send our best wishes to him, and hopefully that he'll be back with us on the uh, the podcast very soon. But in his place, we do have a very special guest with us. We've got Mr. Charlie Wilson. He writes about every sport you could practically imagine, really, don't you? For the for the Manchester Evening News and for the Liverpool Echo. But you are a Seahawks fan. I think you play a little bit as well, don't you? So I've so I've heard. I do play. I play on the coach. Yes, come up out alphas in the D two of Baffa League. We are two and zero. Good start for year. So there you go. Very nice. So you're not you haven't declared for this year's draft then? No. I think I think I'm maybe two years away. I just need two more years and then I'm ready. And then right. I'm a seventh round prospect to see will taking third round. I like that. Hey, we, we like our linebackers in Seattle, so you will. We value that more, so you've got a chance. Um, so tonight, we're going to go over some Seahawks mock drafts. Me and uh, Mr. Positive himself have done a first and second round sort of mock draft um, because we get to the late rounds and we're just taking names who PFF tell us to take, really. Um, so we're going over the first and the second round kind of guys, and then we're going to touch upon any sort of late rounds, hidden gems, or maybe a few draft crushes that we've got. 
Um, we're also going to be going over a wish list of players that we could potentially take at number nine and number 40 slash 41 and uh, go over some names that we all would like to see suiting up for the Seahawks next season. And then we will talk a little bit about what we think needs to happen in this year's draft for it to be viewed as an overall success. Uh, what do we need to do? What positions do we have to address? What do the Seahawks have to do to come out of this year's draft? One of the biggest drafts in franchise history, really, certainly recent history, arguably the Pete Carroll era. Um, what do they need to do to win f- some fans back and earn that trust again and to make this draft a success? Um, but we are going to start with the Seahawks mock draft. Do you want to go first, Pez, or, or, or shall I make my first pick? I feel like you're more like more experienced in the draft, so I'll give it to you because I don't want like, to hit with my first one. <laughs> <laughs> you put pressure on me now. Not to be um, yeah, we've done we've done one sort of mock draft that has trades involved, and one mock draft that that doesn't have trades involved, and we just pick using the Seahawks' picks. Um, we'll start with the one that has got trades. Um, in my mock draft, um, I got to the number nine overall pick and I didn't see any players that were worth taking. Uh, Gardner had gone, Iquanu had gone, Stingley had gone, Thibodeau, Neil, Charles Cross, all gone. Even Trayvon Walker has gone. Um, so it got to nine and I thought that it was not just because I'm trading back because it's a trade back mock, but I probably would have traded back from this position anyway at this point. So I managed to trade back to pick number 20 with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, managed to pick up a 2023 first round pick and a fourth round pick in this year's draft in exchange for the number nine pick from Pittsburgh. Um, they are, interestingly enough, which I, I did laugh at this, I thought, well, that's going to be to take Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett. They took Kyle Hamilton at nine um, from Notre Dame. A little bit of a bit of an interesting one, but there we go. We're not doing a Steelers draft, so I won't read too much into that. They're, they must be happy with that anyway. But it got to 20 and there was a prospect on the board for me that stood out amongst the rest. And that was Jermaine Johnson, the second from Florida State, the edge rusher. Very surprised he got to 20. Um, just looking at some of the just looking at some of the names that went above him. Carl Laftis, Olave, Lund, Devin Lloyd, Nicobe Dean, Devontae Wyatt all went above him. And I just thought I can't miss on Jermaine Johnson at 20, I would have taken him. He's in play at number nine. He's in play for a top 10, top five pick, Jermaine Johnson. Um, so that was my pick at 20. That got an A minus. Uh, I don't know what needs to be done to get an A plus for that, to be they honest. They don't rate him. On that PFF, they, uh, don't rate draft, him. they don't rate him at all. Whereas you listen to other people talk and they're saying like, he, he, he's being slated like top 10. But PFF, yeah. PFF are like second round by the sounds of it. <laughs> oh, they're harsh. They're harsh. Um, so after that, we got to the pick 40, number 40 overall in the second round. I didn't trade this pick um, because there was a prospect that I liked as well. And that was Matt Corral, a quarterback from Ole Miss. Uh, aside from Desmond Ridder, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm already doing well by the reaction of Charlie here, so I'm happy with myself. Screw PFF giving me a B for this. Um, Desmond Ridder had already gone. I'm so excited. Cheers, mate. Desmond Ridder had already gone at 37, and he is, for my, in my opinion, he's my quarterback one. But number two for me is Matt Corral. Um, so I, 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 I took him at 40. I think he fits the Seahawks' system. Um, I think he's got a really good arm. He's mobile. I think he'd be comfortable in a run-play-action system. Um, so, so that was my pick for that. I did trade the number 41 pick 
I traded that with the Dallas Cowboys. I'm sorry, I didn't want it. I, you know, I don't like helping the Dallas Cowboys out any more than I have to, but they were the, they were the trade partner that made the most sense. We picked up an extra third round pick and a fourth round pick in next year's draft. That was all they were willing to part with. Um, and then that took me down to the number 56th overall pick in the second round. And we stayed pretty local with this pick. Um, it addresses a need. I think he's a. I think it's good value to get this guy here, and that's Abraham Lucas from Washington State, offensive tackle from yeah from Washington State. Yeah, say that twice because why not? Um, that gave me an A, so I was happy with that. That fills the need at tackle. Um, like I say, he's an in-state prospect, something that the Seahawks have a have a fondness of taking in-state guys, and um, yeah, I think Abraham Lucas would make us make sense for me there. Um, a couple of other late round picks that I liked. Um, that we won't read too much into. Um, Kellen Deish or Kellen Deish, I, I was able to get it at pick 123 in the fourth round. Um, so I was quite happy with that. Um, I, I won't mention this guy because we'll come on to him a little bit later as one of my draft crushes, but I'm disgusted that PFF gave me a D minus for him. Um, I was able to pick up Tyler Algier, the running back from BYU. Um, I think outside of um, the big two in terms of Kenneth Walker and Brees Hall, I think he, for me, I think he's pretty much about the next best kind of guy. Um, I, I quite like him from what I've seen. I'm not an expert on evaluating players or running backs or anything like that. But from what I've seen of Algier, I think he's physical. I think he would fit the power run sort of vertical scheme that we'd like to run. Um, so I think he'd suit our offense more than some of the other prospects like a Pierre Strong or, or something other than than that so um in terms of the the first round pick of jermaine johnson and then matt corral and abraham lucas what are the thoughts on that initially charlie yeah jermaine johnson is a player who the more the more you watch him the more you just feel so strongly that he's going to be an elite pass rusher in the nfl for me i find it wild with pff but guys like george can't laugh this over, over jermaine johnson mm. you watch jermaine johnson at the senior ball dominating every rep getting around using my speed you know, I mean, these edge rushers who rack up sack, it's always the speed guys. Guys who mm. get out of a bend, can can use that, like I say, elite bend to get to the quarterback. He shows that every single every single game. 14 sacks in his last year, 28 pressures in one year. He's a guy who's going to get to the quarterback. I love that pick. I'll be shocked to see him but still there in the yeah. 20s. Yeah. I, I would take that all day. Oh, Absolutely, Matt Corral. I, I I got some. I got a vicious round of applause from you. Are, are you a Matt Corral fan? Is that a sort of? Do you think? Do you think he would go in the first round? I don't. But Matt Corral no. is mine. I released my quarterback rankings about twenty minutes before I came on this podcast. Matt Corral is my number one rated quarterback. Um, oh. I don't feel great about any of these quarterbacks. To be honest, I wouldn't mm. draft any of them in the first round. Um, they're all projects. We all mm. need time. Um, Matt Corral for me. Like you said, James, athlete, um, yeah. can move an arm, can move the football. I worry about the offense he was in. It was very, very RPO heavy. Yeah. That's, we don't see that in the NFL. Like We're talking 40% of his plays are RPOs. Right. Uh, the, the Dolphins are a team who run the highest RPOs in the league. That's 10%. So it's uncommon to see that offense in the NFL. But Matt Corral, for me, has all the things that you look for that you can mold into a starting quarterback. I like the pick. Thanks very much. And then Abraham Lucas, the offensive tackle from Washington State, pick 56 overall. Is that good value at that point? And does that fill the need? 100%. I think he's a late round, late round player. 
He's uh, there's questions about him in the run. Um, he's more of yeah. a pass blocking tackle, but I, I really like him. Beautiful. I think that's uh, I think that that gets the approval. Pez, are you happy with that? Are you happy with those picks? Yeah, yeah. I think um, it wouldn't surprise me uh, at nine if the uh, if Jermaine Johnson's there this week if the Seahawks go for him because you listen to people talking about him and the like various podcasts and you read what it is and like Charlie said it's his senior ball and his combine do you know everyone was is Mike Dugard and his podcast he was saying he was there and he's just he just stood out as like a leader he's gene everyone up he he's the loudest and that stood him out and everything, every, all his work he did was great. And I, you listen to Pete Carroll and you, you look at it and you go, Russ is gone, Bobby's gone. All the leaders, like the two main leaders are gone now. It wouldn't surprise me if they pick him at nine solely because he's got that voice and that presence about him. And if you think of back in the day, like John and Pete keep on saying in press conferences, it's, 20, uh, it's 2012 again, it's 2012, we feel energy, we feel energy. But if they're talking about energy so much, I could see us genuinely taking him at nine if he's not gone already. I think Johnson, even without those traits of being a leader, which I agree with, Pez, he does have those um, those qualities. Even without those qualities, he's still a top 10 pick, still a top 10 talent. Yeah. It's just, you want game records on your D-line, you want guys who are going to get sacks. For me, he's one of those guys. How much of a sort of developmental project do you think he is? How sort of how raw is he in terms of some of the other prospects? Super raw, but absolutely raw. And he's going to have plays where he will just play the play the pass every play, and mm. he'll take himself out out of his out of his gap. Yeah, be on running plays. That's going to happen. I don't mind writing him in a pass rusher. I want I want my guy to get to the quarterback. Yeah, um, it might take him a year. It might take him two years. Um, but he's going to get sacks. He has a unique in Gokwe, right? He's a guy who gets, let's say, 15 taxes, 14 tax a year. Plays the run terribly. Does anyone care? No, because he gets the sacks. Yeah. I see Jermaine Johnson as a, a similar kind of guy to unique in Gokway. But with, with upside to play the run, I mean, still a young guy. Um, we don't know what he's going to become. All we do know is that he's an athlete and he gets sacks. Yeah. How old is he? How old is he now? 22. 22. That's, see, that's, that's young enough. And you've got to think, people... It's interesting, right? Because you look at edge rushers, right? And you look at weaknesses and then like you go on NFL and that and they do pros and cons and that. But the thing what people like Seahawks fans, in my opinion, need to remember is our defensive coordinator is a D-line guy. So so for years when Ken was DC, how good was our linebacker position? You know, you know where I'm coming from with here. So, yeah. I, I, for me, it's it's like you said, he's raw. But would you rather have a raw player who you can mould, or a player who's coming out of college who's cocksure of himself, and he, he he might be, even though they're young, he might be setting his ways a little bit more. Jermaine Johnson, I think Clint Hurt will look at him and go, "I could do some serious damage with that kid," mm. because he's got so much. Like he's got so much to work with. Yeah. Another I... thing. Sorry, sorry, sorry. No, no, go on. Another thing. Obviously, Seattle moved to a free-fall, so we need our outside guys to play in space. Jermaine Johnson yeah. can do that. I don't. I don't want him covering players, but he can do it if needed. And we're going to have to do that. 
I like that as well. That's a good point on Jermaine Johnson. And um, just on you were saying a bit there, Pez, I think he, he'd be very coachable as well because I think he, he, he went to the... Um, on Last Chance You, wasn't he? This is the guy that went to last on on the on the Netflix series where he went to um, he sort of dropped out of, of the NCAA and, and and had to go to sort of lost his way a little bit for whatever reason. I don't know the ins and outs of, of his story a, completely. Is he a Last Chance You guy? It, yeah, yeah, Last Chance You. Which one? I didn't know that. He, I'm sure he was on season four. I think the very last one. Uh, Stony was it Stony no, Lake? No, the one before the last one. Um, Oh, which one was that? East Mississippi. It wasn't East Mississippi. It was oh, um one with the ball headed coach. Yes. Yeah. In Independence, there we go. There I've got it up now. Independence Community College from 2017. Oh, right. Did he go was he at Independence, yeah? He was at Independence, yeah. And then oh, he goes right. to Georgia and then Florida State. So um to have that experience of, of being at that level and working your way up. I think he's obviously very coachable. You don't go from that level of independence to, to Georgia and Florida State. Obviously, you've got to have talent, but I think you've got to have that willingness to be coachable and learn and, and understand that I'm not where I want to be for whatever reason. Um, so I think I think he'd tick pretty much every box you'd want, really. Um, so, yeah, I, I'd be very happy, certainly at 20. I'd be happy at nine with Jermaine Johnson, as we've said. Um, Pez, should we go through yours? Yes, mate. Let's go, Pez. Oh, I, I did two, but I kind of like both of them, but this is an A overall, so I'm, I'm sticking with this one. I think it's only an A overall because further down in the rounds, I just kind of started taking shots on people, and PFF did not appreciate me. Um, So I've gone for ninth pick. I traded that to the Eagles and got – I didn't do any future picks. I just went all in on this year because I just don't have the brain capacity for it, I don't think. And I think that they need them. Like, if they're going to trade back, they're going to get as many as they can this year, mm. in a way. So I, I traded the ninth, got the 18th, the 51st, the 83rd, and the 124th. Okay. So I can't remember who the Eagles took, but in this mock they clearly wanted someone at nine i can't remember who they took in the end because i got an a minus off um the grade for it but with the 18th pick i took devon lloyd oh um the 40th pick i took nick benito then i traded the 41st pick for the 43rd and then the 114th Okay. I, just, I think there's no logic behind this, right? I just kind of got excited because this is one of my first one I did. And I just wanted to trade some shit around. Um, so the 43rd, I took Drake Jackson. Yeah, Drusha okay. from USC. Mm-hmm. Then the 51st, I took Abraham Lucas, same as mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Am I going all the way down? You can if you can go down to some of the guys that you want to give a mention to in the later rounds if you want. I'll go for I'll go I'll go like the 70, 72nd pick. I got I went very tackle towards the end. Um, I went for Zach Zach Tom. Zach Tom, yeah. From Wake uh, Wake Forest. Then the hundred and ninth, I went for Keelan Dice, similar to you. And then towards the end. 
obviously, like you said, it's a bit more dark throwy, so I, I didn't really recognise any of the names. So in the fourth round, 114th, I went wide receiver Danny Gray from SMU. Okay, interesting. And I'll I'll leave it there because he got an A minus around there. Um, like Keelan Dash um, at 109th was, was graded an A, and then an A minus for that Danny Gray because my thinking behind it um, was they normally take a wide receiver late on, so if they do trade back and extend their picks throughout the draft. I just imagine they would take a wide receiver, but I've not looked at any of the wide receivers because realistically, mm. the ones they're going to pick aren't really the ones you're going to either know their name or be looking that deep unless... It's going to be a late round pick, yeah, you unless, imagine, unless you're it? Unless you're covering it. Um, talk, talk to me through talk me through the Devin Lloyd one because that's, that's interesting to me. That's Very interesting to me too. I'm interested. So... It kind of where the mock was. He he was the highest rated player. And I was going to pick someone else, but I just thought to myself, I had to think. I was like, the thing is, it wouldn't surprise me if this happened. I know everyone's, all Seahawks fans are getting like, the nick is in the twist already about old linemen. And Charlie, if you listen to any of our podcasts, I am not the greatest person when it comes to the old line. I hold my hands up. I rely on Josh to fill me in because he kind of pays more attention to that. I just kind of like go, right, he didn't get beat, so that's sound. I don't yeah. look into anything else with it. Um, But I just, it wouldn't surprise me. If they went deep into the first, it wouldn't surprise me if they took a Devin Lloyd because you, you read about him and you watch him and he sneakily, he can play across all linebacker positions, and he does have. So we've lost Bobby Wagner. Whether Jordan Brooks goes into the middle or not is up for debate. But Devin Lloyd can play across the whole line of the linebackers. He's a sneaky rusher. He has good skills rushing. He's explosive, aggressive. From everything you read and watch, and then you listen to you listen to some of Pete's buzzwords and they want to get quicker and more aggressive. You, you, you've got a massive hole in the linebacker position. Mm. I, was, I was listening to, um, there was a podcast I was listening to. It might've been Rob Staten and he was talking to someone about the new scheme he wants to run. And apparently it exposes the middle linebacker. It was Ray Robert. Was it Ray Roberts? No, it wasn't Ray Roberts. Sorry. Um, but he was talking about how he exposes the middle linebacker in coverage. Now, Jordan Brooks got better as the year went on, but there's question marks over his coverage in, coverage in open field. Mm. Cody Barton is exactly the same. So it depends how they want to go. Is Jordan Brooks good enough that they could put him in the middle and then a Devon Lloyd would fill the gap what mm. they need? It, like, it depends what they want to do with this Nuosu as well from the charges because obviously he can play linebacker. He can also play from the edge. Then you've got Daryl Taylor... Um, would would you rule out KJ Wright coming back as a free agent? Um, yeah, you you you, know, it, you you it is that because if it's hard because really you'd if you, if you picked him you you'd look at him if it if it, what you're reading it's Brooks uh, will and God forbid Cody's at middle 
then you'd pick Devin Lloyd for Sam. Yeah. Because of his edge, edge uh, like his rushing abilities and some of the ways he plays. I just, it wouldn't surprise me. That's all. I looked at it and I was going to go for uh, edge you rusher. Got remember, you got to remember that Sam doesn't really exist in the free for, in the free for. It's more of a two pass rushers, two inside linebackers system. So you're looking at guys like Jordan Brooks and someone else playing, not Mike or Will, but sort of inside linebackers, in a sense. It's sort of similar, but if you're going to draft someone like Devin Lloyd, he'll probably have to play as an inside linebacker. And are you confident that he can play in coverage? Because I'm not, personally. Yeah. And I I want, if I want someone playing next to Jordan Brooks inside, I want someone who can cover. True, true. But I don't. It's hard because I think Jordan Brooks got better, but uh, to, as the season went on in his coverage, but was that limited to just you know certain coverage yeah. concepts? Um, that's without looking into it too deep. I just saw him there. I've watched a bit of him. I've read a bit of him, and I've heard a few people talk about him. Yeah, and it just. And like you said, Charlie, it doesn't necessarily make sense, but that's yeah. a Pete Carroll pick, isn't it? That's what so, I was about to say. He's Devin Lloyd is the quintessential Seahawks player. Yeah, six foot three is long. Um, he can rust the pasture, is versatile. Like what does Pete always say? Versatility. You know, we like guys to play multiple positions. Devin Lloyd can do that. He can play on the edge. He can play inside. But where does he shine? Where does he where does he fit in the Seahawks defense? Where does he play? I don't want a guy who can do everything. I want a guy who can do one thing really well. That's just my preference. I think Devin Lloyd is a, a versatile chess piece that you can move around. But um we've got big holes on yeah, the defense. True. I don't I don't hate the pick because I think it's very likely that we take Devin Lloyd. Um, I bet. but it, everything you say, when you say it, I just think. Right, so us as fans think that, so Pete's going to go and do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, we think no, he says yes. Because yeah. isn't it, it's like, a look at his old line, he, he, it's like Ray Roberts um, was on the man-to-man and he was talking solely old line and it was great for me, I don't know much about it, so it was really good insight to listen to him break down. <laughs> like, for example, Jermaine Fetty being so bad in the position he was because he actually wasn't naturally at that at the right position but Pete looks for these I can do everything across the old line yeah guys and Ray's like well if you want the solid old line that is the wrong way to go about it but that's kind of Pete isn't it it's like I'm going to pick corners who used to be safeties and I'm going to change them and because I, I just like yeah. gamble shots everywhere and in in this mop for example that's was the guy because in my other mop I was Exactly the same as James. I took uh, Jermaine Johnson mm. in the other trade back mock. I did. I took Jermaine Johnson, and I got toasted for that from PFF for some reason. They just do not like him, did he? It's strange. Don't like him. Let's let's go to the uh, the non trade back drafts then. Um, I'll start with mine. Uh, so obviously we can't make trades in this one, so we're just going off the base picks that the Seahawks currently have at the time of recording, unless of course they trade the entire draft for Baker Mayfield ahead of Thursday, as as is expected from John Schneider this year. Um, pick number nine, I think this is a home run pick. If he gets to number nine, that's Charles Cross from Mississippi State. Um, I mean, he's in that group between Ikea Kornu 
Evan Neal and himself really it, it you speak to three different people three different people have got him as as everyone's got a different number one offensive tackle it's some everyone's got either Evan Neal Ikki Kornu Charles Cross so it, it's all we know is this guy is going to come in and you would expect that that is your left tackle sorted for the next 10 years um at, at least for me I think he's a, I think he's a really good run blocker in my opinion from what I've seen of him like I say I don't I'm not a scout. I don't particularly go diving in on, on evaluations, but from what I've seen, from what I'm, I've seen on film, I think he would be a really good run blocker at the NFL level. Um, so I really like Charles Cross, and I think this would this would be where they would go at number nine if he was available. I think the Seahawks would be too tempted to take Charles Cross. Um, at 40, I've gone with Matt Corral again. He was there. Again, Desmond Ridder had gone. Um, Malik Willis had gone. Pickett had gone. Um, and I just think that the Seahawks, I, I don't see them trading for Baker Mayfield, all jokes aside. So I do think they will take a quarterback in this draft. And I think if you're going to take a quarterback that fans will get behind in, in some sense, in terms of, I mean, you, you find it hard to get behind, a, I don't know, a Bailey Zapp in round five or round six. But if they were to take a Matt Corral in round two early on, I think fans would would be persuaded to, to, to really get behind that. Um, and I think, actually, as we've talked a little bit about before, I think Matt Corral, some of his traits would fit Seahawks' system better than other quarterback prospects. Um, I think he's, he, you know, he fits the system, fits the system better than a picket. Um, I think he fits it better than a Malik Willis. Um, I think only Desmond Ritter fits the Seahawks potentially a bit more than than, than Matt Corral. But so I've taken him at forty. Um, at forty-one again, I've stayed in state this time with the other Washington team. Um, I was going to say the better Washington team, but as of last year, they're probably not the better Washington team. Um, and that's cornerback Kyler Gordon um, at pick 41. I think this would be really good value for the Seahawks if Kyler Gordon could get here. Obviously, they've got a decent class of corners this year with Trent McDuffie in there as well. Uh, but I think Kyler Gordon sneakily goes under the radar a little bit in terms of the corners being touted. Um, I think he's a really, really decent corner. And I think I think if you were to take maybe an Andrew Booth and a Kyrie Lam out of this draft, I think you'd see Kyler Gordon being more heavily projected to to, to find a, a, a pick in the late rounds, uh, late first round, I should say, and sneak into that late first round. At the minute, I think he's there's still a good chance he is there at 41. And I think if he is, again, I think he'll be too tempting for the Seahawks to pass upon. At pick 72 in round three, I've gone with Kingsley Enagbari. I think that's how you pronounce the surname from South Carolina, edge rusher. Um, I think this, according to PFF, this is an A+. This is my best grade other than Charles Cross. So they're obviously a big fan of this as well. Um, and I think I would be too. I think this is good value for the Seahawks at this position. And at this point in the draft, I think Enagbari could go in the second round. Um, and I think if he's there at 72, like I say, he'd be the first edge rusher that we'd take in this draft according to this mock and at this the Seahawks can't go into this draft and not address the edge position so I think they address it there with Kensley Enegbare. Um, round four 109 I've gone with Daniel Falele from Minnesota um, big six foot seven six foot eight offensive tackle yeah, yeah. He's, he's a big boy he is a big boy obviously very raw new to the game still relatively but I think he's got like you say as we've been talking about the Seahawks love especially in these later rounds as all teams do but they love to find these guys that just have athletic traits or something that just pops off the charts that go, that's why we're going to take him and we're going to mould him. And Daniel Falele's size, his athleticism, his power, I think 
the Seahawks will really see a project in him. Um, and I think if it works, I mean, Daniel Falele could be one of the steals of the draft uh, in, in its entirety, really, if if he moulds into the player that, that, that whoever gets him will hope that he can do. Um, round five, 152. Um, the Seahawks always take a running back in pretty much every draft. So I've got to take one again. And it's Tyler Algier again, as in my last mock. Um, I think there is value in taking a running back for the Seahawks this year. Obviously, Rashad Penny is back, but we all are well aware of the concerns of his injury history. Can you rely on him to be fully fit over 17 games? You know, it's it's one of the widely debated things in the Seahawks universe at the minute. So at the minute, you can't trust him. Obviously, Chris Carson, we don't really know what's happening in terms of his workout videos. the, The boy... Oh, the guy, the guy looks strong as ever. Is 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 I saw his thighs the other day. That sounds a bit wrong, but I have seen his thighs. They are absolutely huge. Um, and he is working out. It, it looks like he's going to be back. Obviously, we've mentioned him on the pod a few times that we'd be a bit skeptical that he would be healthy enough to return to football. Um, but all the signs are that he is expecting to come back. But after next year, are you going to re-sign Penny again? Is Carson going to be here after next year? Probably not. Um, so I think running back going forward is is somewhat of a need for the Seahawks to find their next franchise piece at running back. And uh, I'm not saying Tyler Algier is going to be that, but I think he could come in and and just provide again. He's he's a powerful guy. Um, he's physical. He, he would fit the, the the power run scheme that, that Pete Carroll has has been has been running pretty much ever since he's came into the NFL with the Seahawks. Um, so that's the pick there. And then just the pick after that, 153 in round five, I've gone with Curtis Brooks from Cincinnati. Um, potentially a little bit of a reach at this point, um, but I think the Seahawks will address the interior of the defensive line at some point in this draft. Um, and I think Curtis Brooks, again, he'll have some, I think he had about nine sacks for Cincinnati last season. I think it, that was a career high for him at the collegiate level. Um, obviously, Cincinnati had a, had a stellar season last season and, and, and the season prior to that as well. Um, so Curtis Brooks, I think, will have some athletic traits and some production that the Seahawks will see value at, at round five. Like I say, round five onwards, you're kind of taking flies on guys that you that you'll that you'll hope to mould into into NFL prospects and NFL talents going forward. And I think Curtis Brooks will be that again. And then at round seven, the last pick in our draft, 229. Now this is the guy that I didn't mention in the previous mock when I said that I've got a draft crush. Um, so I'll talk a little bit about him now. That's Marquise Bell from Florida A&M. Um, I watched a video on Marquise Bell about three or four months ago, and it, I've just been in love with him ever since. He's if if you ever if if you haven't watched him, please do go and watch. I'm sure Charlie has got some opinions on him as well. Pez I've has got, got his hands on. Great with Marquise Bell. So there we go. Like it's, it, it's not a particular strong safety class outside of potentially Kyle Hamilton, and there's still question marks over him. Um, so Marquise Bell, if he's in the seventh round and the Seahawks, it, it, he's there to take, they have to take him, in my opinion. If you ever want to see a late-round Seahawks defensive back prospect that, that just screams Pete Carroll and John Schneider turning into an absolute gem like a Cam Chancellor, like a Richard Sherman kind of prospect, then it's Marquise Bell. He's about six foot two, 200 pounds. I think he can practically play every position in the secondary. He's lined up at corner, predominantly in the box. I think he can play some 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 linebacker, really. I think he could fit 
one of the linebacker spots. You could even potentially experiment with him off the edge because of his size and his speed. Um, he just plays everywhere. He, he's a kind of guy that if you need, if you're in a game or if you're in a season and guys start going down injured and you need guys to fill in and, and play, you can just turn and Marquis Bell, you know, you could turn and say, right, our corner's gone down injured. We need someone to go and play a corner. Marquis Bell will have his hand up. Our linebacker's just gone down injured. Marquis Bell's got his hand up. I can go in, I can play. He, he's that kind of guy that will just, he might be a jack of all trades, master of none, but at this position in the draft in round seven, I think Marquis Bell is about as good of late round prospect in terms of that you can mould potentially as you're probably going to find. So I absolutely love Marquis Bell and I would be absolutely ecstatic if they were able to take him in the seventh round. I don't know about you, Charlie, um, but I love Marquis Bell. Yeah, like I say, third round grade on him. Uh, lanky, lanky dude. He's like, a, his arms are so long. Uh, Uses it to take on blockers. Uh, comes down hard, violent. Uh, speed, quick dude, aggressive, uh, forces fumbles, punches the ball out. I love his play. He reminds me of a, like a poor man's camp chancellor. Love it. I like that. I think I'd be happy with a poor man's camp chancellor. You'd take that, wouldn't you? I think I'm I not, would, yeah. I think I've heard his name mentioned once on mm. a podcast I was listening to, but I've not looked at anything, so that gives me something to look at when we finish recording. Oh, good. I'll yeah. watch him. In terms Just of the other picks, then... Just going back to your first pick, you mentioned yeah. um, how Seahawks like um, explosive athletes at the tackle position. Yeah. Um, Charles Cross, um, not an explosive guy, not an athlete. No. He's, <laughs> he's got, I saw his face. He's got a 26-inch vertical leap. That's like... It's higher than me, so I'll give him credit for that. It's higher than I can jump. Charles Cross, he's a... Real air raid passing tackle. He's really well. He's a really good pass blocker. I personally have questions about him as a run blocker, and that's okay. why I don't think he'll be on Seattle's board. Personally, I could be totally wrong on that. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like Charles Cross. I wouldn't take him ninth. I wouldn't take him that high personally. Um, I just think that Seattle will prefer the other three tackles above Charles Cross. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Like I say, I think I think Evan Neal for me. I think. Potentially Equanu in terms of his run blocking ability. I think Equanu has got the best run blocking run blocking grade of any pretty much any offensive tackle that I've seen come out of the draft out of college recently. Um, yeah. So I think if, if you if you were to ask the Seahawks which offensive tackle would they take at this point, it probably would be Equanu if he's there at nine. Um, like I say, in this mock, unfortunately, I think he went at three, um, so he just went out of reach. But and like I say, Evan Neal was gone as well. So I think Charles Cross, if if they were to to not trade any picks i think jermaine johnson had gone as well um so i think charles cross potentially would be the pick like you say it's it's hard because i think in the russell wilson era as strange as that sounds to say that nowadays in the russell wilson era i think charles cross with his pass blocking ability in terms of the the, the tenderness to to throw the deep ball with russell wilson and and we know drew lock's got a good arm but can he throw the deep ball as accurate and 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 you know is that going to be what we ask him to do as much as russell wilson i'm not sure at this point yeah. So I think Charles Cross would have been a better pick for a Russell Wilson as your quarterback. Um, but, we'll, I mean, yeah, we'll see. But any any other guys in there that uh, that you like so the sound there's of? A, there's a tackle who I think Seahawks are going to take, and it terrifies me. I'm so afraid of it they take him, and it's Trevor Penning. He's a mm. guy who is oh. a big he's a big bully, right? And he's one of those guys who, like, um, 
they'll throw people to the floor after a play and it's like, oh, he's so tough. Look at him. He's such a big, tough yeah. guy. What a leader. And it's like, you actually watch him play, play by play. He gets beat a lot. And he's just a big guy who acts like a bully. Like, sure, he's got plays where he does well. Um, he's better, he's better uh, run blocking than he is pass blocking. So mm-hmm. Seahawks would like that. But he's ne- he's never he's never a top 10 prospect. He's never a first rounder, in my opinion. Mm. Um, but there's so much hype building around Seahawks taking him. I'm so... So petrified yeah. in overall. I agree with this because it's like uh, Damian Lewis when he first came out. Everyone was saying like he he doesn't get beat much, but he loves to be physical. He loves to like beat someone and then throw them to the floor. Whereas yeah. Trevor Penning gets beat, mm. and then he's that type of he's that type of old lineman. And this like I watched a bit of him after someone speaking about him, and like Charlie said, there's a lot of hype building around him. It's like he'll get beat, and he's that old lineman who will then just just blindside the guy who beat him, just to go, yeah. Oh, and he gets flagged, he gets flagged for that a lot. He's do, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. He does, he does. It's it's disgusting. Like if they do that, then I won't watch any more of the draft. <laughs> he's the first pick. I just I just switch off. I just be like. The thing is, like we say about, is an explosive, is explosive guy. He gets all the measurables which he has to look for. Um, he's seen as a leader, he's seen as a locker room presence. So I'm honestly petrified. I've got a third round grade on him. I've do you know what? low second, but I, I don't see I don't see a starter there. I see a, an average right tackle at best. Do you know I had a thought about the old line? I was thinking um after listening to podcasts and people talking about Trevor Pennying and talking about what old linemen we could get and this, that and the other, it got me thinking that the interesting thing, what's a bit of an unknown for the majority of Seahawks fans, unless you're proper analyst, like you're an analyst and you proper look deep, is the fact that we've got a new O-line coach. It, it, Dickerson's in charge of the O-line now. Yeah. Now, you could go to the Rams and it's time at the Rams and look at what O-line they had to go. Well, yeah. that's the type of player he likes. But do we actually know? Absolutely. Like, like, I, like I said about Charles Cross, I can be completely off base. They could be looking for these kind of athletes yeah, now. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It, it got me thinking. Um, like it's such the the O line's such an unknown position because everyone's just like, well, Seahawks normally. I've heard so many people go, Seahawks normally take an O lineman. They normally do this. They normally do that. But it's it's completely different now because you've got a completely different guy running the show in that room. The one thing I will say is, Pete Carroll is going to run the football. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> that's, what, that's what would make me shocked if they take Charles Cross at nine because I just don't see a dominant run blocker there. Whereas I do, even Trevor Penning, I see a dominant run blocker. In pass pro, mm, not really, but yeah. Um, you never know. You never know, but they could take Charles Cross and they could throw the ball, and Drew Lock could be fantastic. Who knows? What it is. It's going to be interesting. Months, but. Well, I've, I bought I bought in Charlie the other day. I thought to myself, so I'm so pessimistic. I'm in the camp of, I'm in the camp of. Prove me wrong, Pete. I've wrote oh. a lot of checks on these podcasts. That if he proves me wrong, then I'm gonna have to spend a whole podcast just owning up to my stupidity. But I've I've had a turn of the corner. I'm like, do you know what? I'm not going to listen to anything anyone says about Drew Locke because I just have a feeling, right, that he's going to surprise everyone. And it scares me to even say it because it sounds stupid. 
What stage but, of denial are we on here, by the way? You know that cycle? <laughs> must be on about four or five here. Do, yeah. do you know what? It's because it's coming near the draft. I'm getting a little bit excited. Oh, I don't blame I, you. I have a theory. Well, yeah. I have a theory in the draft what I'd like to happen. And if it ha- if it goes down that kind of route, I'll be really I'll look forward to it. But if it fucking does something stupid, <laughs> then Drew, the whole Drew Lock bubble is getting popped really quickly, and I'm going downhill on this podcast really quickly. Right, we'll get to your mock then before before steam starts coming out your ears. Yeah, no, no, I told you, I told you, I'm on a positive. There's a glow behind me. Can you see it? There no is. No one yeah. else who's listening to this can see it. But... Is that your positive glow then? Is that, yeah, is that yeah. All oh, right, okay. shining down on me, keeping me calm. So when I did the no trade mock, I only did to the fourth round, just because. I was just like, yep. like, like I've stated, knowledge as it goes down gets thinner as we go on. Yeah. So I don't know what happened in this mock. I think they all started suffering with some sort of issue because in the ninth pick, I managed to get Evan Neal. Wow. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's good value. That's- <laughs> This this whole no trade mock of mine, it's just kind of like a myth, really, because we never get another Neil there, but I managed to get him. So then I went to Nick Benito again, okay, with the fortieth pick, and then the forty first pick, I kind of messed it up because I wasn't meant to draft him. I was looking, and then I clicked draft right. back. <laughs> But I got an A for it, so you know, is a uh, Jalen Petrie. Okay, I like. Do you it. think maybe like you know, 2019 draft when we took LJ Corden? You think like Pete, Pete did that? Just selected the wrong button. I like oh, it. No. <laughs> no, meant to get DK. Yeah, he's like, a conspiracy. I like LJ, that. You DK. He's playing fucking mock PFF. Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, so great on LJ Collier. Rashad, Rashad Penny as well. He's like, oh, let me just check Rashad again. Oh, I'm, I'm at Technic Chubb, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. I really hope that's what happened. He, book, he fucking used it as an excuse to get him out of shit. Anyway. Will. In, in 10 years, his next book, I'm telling you. Oh, yeah, his next book, like Rashad Penny, LJ Collier. They were, I didn't Press need to. Button, I, 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 I wouldn't my be too disappointed. My son's, um, my nephew was in the room at the time. He was only three. He pressed the button for me by accident. You know, blame the nephew. I, I don't think that's a bad misclick, though, Jalen Petrie at, uh, at 41. I, I quite like him. Mm, he has some good things. He has some... He's versatile. I think he can he, play corner and yeah, in the slot, potentially. Yeah. Well, I, I'll, finish, I'll, I'll finish it off and then we'll talk, we'll talk about it. And then the 70... Second pick, I took Luke Gadecki. Yeah. Tackle. I went very tackle heavy after I got Evan Neal. I got really excited. I like, I don't really know much about O-line, but I'm just going to start fucking picking them. Because then in the 109th pick in fourth round where I finished my draft, I got uh, Keelan Dyke again. Mm-hmm. Love it. Just good, good value, just... Solid. I got an A for that. Well chuffed, and it was majority tackles there. Eh? Well, that, but that's the thing. Even though that's three offensive tackles off the board, I think I don't think that's overkill because when we look at our offensive tackle position at the minute, we've got Stone Forsyth. If, if the NFL Week One starts tomorrow, it'd be Stone Forsyth at left tackle and Jake Curran, an undrafted free agent at right tackle. So if the Seahawks want to load up on offensive tackles and just hope that 
you know, throwing enough at the wall and something will stick there. It, it's a position that they have to, they need to find two starters on the perimeter of the offensive line. So um, I, I could see them taking three plus tackles in that sort of two to three tackles in this in this year's draft. Um, I'll just go on to uh, Petrie, Matt. The, the pros to him, you look, you, you read them and you think that at like the right value, I think they would take a punt on him. My issue with him is because nearly every single mock, he's always there. And mm. I always look at him and I think, mm, there's a reason. Looks, he, well, there's a reason. And I look at him and I just think, my, my issue with the corner position, and I've said it in our uh, podcast chat we've got, is we've got Trey Brown. There's a reason they didn't re-sign DJ Reed, And then Pete kind of solidified my thinking when he came out in the pre-draft and said, even though our scheme and things are changing, we're still looking for the same type of guy. Mm. Read into that what you want of are we actually going to change or not? But it makes me think that Trey Brown and DJ Reed are quite similar. My thinking is them two are quite similar stature, the way they play. Mm-hmm. So it it's evident you don't need to pay DJ Reed when you've got a cheap DJ Reed yeah. on on your team. Concern. You make a case for Trey Brown's got a much higher ceiling than, than DJ Reed. Yeah. yeah. My concern with that though is we don't know what. Trey Brown, is this another Pete Gamble that Trey Brown's going to come back 100% oh, yeah. from his injury? Is it another gamble he's risking on? Mm. That's that's a question mark. So then do you want to go for another under six foot corner? Then you've just got DJ Reed and Trey Brown again. You've got the same situation. And mm. I, I, I genuinely, I, I feel uncomfortable with it. I personally feel uncomfortable. I feel like Trey Brown will be good, but once the league figures him out, his height will play against him. And if anything, I could see Trey Brown being on the outside until he starts getting burnt. Because DeAndre Hopkins is just going to play him like a fiddle. He's going to use his height against him and he's just going to burn him all the time. Then we've got a major issue. I thought I, I thought he played well against Claypool though in that sort of. He that... did, but you've you've got to look at what Claypool was last year. Claypool was terrible last year. You've also got to look at the quarterback play from Pittsburgh. That's true. That's exactly. True. So Brandon. you have Claypool with a quarterback who can actually throw a bomb downfield. Mm-hmm. Is Claypool going to be in the position he was where Trey stonewalled him? Great that he stonewalled him because Claypool is a massive. Mm-hmm. He's a massive mountain of a guy. Great play, that. Such and a good play. and the way he stopped him on his toes, that's great to see. Mm. But for me personally, and it kind of shines light on how I want this draft to go, ideally, yep. is I'd like to see a more like prototypical Pete Carroll corner on the other side of a tree. Yeah. That's why, if I just, to, just, to, I'll really quickly, my number one preference for. Seattle is Stingley or Oscarner because they are yeah. both corners and they are both going to come in and be there for eight, ten years. And you just like, like with Richard Sherman, it's fine. I've got the left side of the field and then on the right side of the field, we can try guys like Sidney Jones and 
one of my mm. favorite players we brought back who we hadn't mentioned just justin coleman yeah. oh, back. yeah we gushed um, over him and last one last one didn't we we did I love Justin Coleman, yeah. Thing with Trey Brown, you don't want to rely on him. Obviously, you have to buy a three yeah. or fourth round rookie. Um, and that's why I think they brought in Artie Burns, who's, you know, one million cheap hedge. If he's, if he's good, great. If he's not fit, if he's not, so what? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. The thing with Petrie, um, like, like you mentioned, is he, a, is he ever going to play outside? I'm not sure. And that's why people are mocking him as a safety because he can fly around the field. He gets around. It's a bit like Quandre Diggs in that sense, where you've got yeah. instincts, um, make players more ball. So would you want to use that high of a pick on a player which might not play a lot this year? You know. Mm. Yeah. Let's get, we've touched on him there. Let's go on to the wish list then. Um, pick number nine then, Charlie. Would it be Sauce or Stingley? Is, is the corner, if you could pick anyone sort of realistically wise at, at number nine, would, would it be Sauce or Stingley? Um, for me, it's Stingley. I think he's a generation. Okay. Player, and um, he's my number two player in the draft behind Kyle Hamilton. I'm not okay. surprised by that. Um, but yeah, Stingley. I mean, it's that 2019 tape. It's it's incredible. It's like Patrick Satan sped up. He's yeah. just such, such a such a good player. Sticky can play man on zone. Um, playing any scheme, it's just uh, he's just one of those players you can just like I say, put on the left side and don't worry about it. Would would the injuries be that be a concern for you for him going forward? I mean, I'm not a medic, so I can't really speak on. Yeah, that. true. Um, but sure, yeah. But I mean, if you saw him at his um, combine, his pro day, sorry. Yeah. He, have you guys seen his pro day? I've uh, seen. Like, I've seen yeah, snippets of it. Yeah. He looks like he's not trying, and he he mm. runs a far three. He's like jumping out the building. It's just such a natural athlete. I mean, the guy is just just generational. Gener mm. he's me, him and Kyle Hamilton are the only generational players in the draft. Um, right. So I would, obviously you can't take Kyle Hamilton because it's safety. Mm. But Derek Stingley, if he's there, yeah. <laughs> if, if, if Stingley's there, yeah, I take I take him over everyone except for Kevin Thibodeau. So, I'm going to jump in on this because I'm exactly the same. Uh, sorry to cut you off, James. I just thought, Dina's my, my vision of this draft is if we don't take one of them two at nine, we trade back. Mm -hmm. As I've said it, ever since I've started looking at the players around nine, I don't want a tackle. And that might be biased on, I don't know that much into it, but everything I've read and listened to and things is, if you don't get Neil and, who's the other one called? Ikuanu. A lot of people think they both might play guard. And I don't think that's out of the question, to be honest. They're very yeah. tall guys. So, if it, if it's not one of them two, I'm not interested at nine. I don't mm -hmm. care at nine. If if Stingley or Source, honestly, I swear to fucking God, if Stingley and Source are at nine and they do not pick, I will not be on this podcast because I will not be able to stop swearing. I will I'm, lose, I'm lose my shit. Because you, you f like how I look at it is if them two are there and Pete doesn't pick one, you know he's fully done. You know his brain is fried and he is fucking gone. Because for everyone defends him as being this master cornerbacks guy. If you don't see what's in front of you and take it with both hands, you just need to retire and fuck off. 
I don't want to say my number one guy now because I think because, I'm going to get telling off. Because Source, <laughs> the, the difference between these two is I don't like the fact that Source in a way comes across a bit arrogant that he, 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 he sometimes mid-route will let the receiver burn him and almost process what's going on. It's almost like he's got a dial in his head. If that ball hasn't come in his vicinity in a couple of seconds, then something's going on at the line. So it's almost like, without being an NFL player or any kind of experience, it's almost like he tries taking stock of what's going on. And when he lets his guy next to him, I don't know if it's an arrogant move or not, but it's just that he's like, he wants that challenge to then use his speed to break up the ball. And he does it, he, he can do it quite often, but then the nice things to him is some of the best receivers coming into this draft, he shut them down. He shut down mm-hmm. Al- 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 Alabama's receivers. Jameson that Williams. Whole, yeah. whole game. Like he, and Jameson Williams, from everything you hear, is like, he just kills you. If he gets the ball and you've got a bit of space, he's fucking, you're done. And he managed to keep him, keep him shut. Uh, but the thing I like about him the most, listening to him talk on Richard Sherman's podcast, is that passion for football. He's not a drinker. He's not a thing. He's just absorbs football. He just wants to be the best player you possibly can be. Mm-hmm. And I love that because I think right now, especially at this current stage we're in, we need a player like that. No distractions, no fucking around. You're going to come in and just solidify yourself as you're the number one guy. Essentially, we're always going to compare it to Richard Sherman. You are the new Richard Sherman. But listen, he's there's similarities there. And we talk about uh, prototypical players, James. Like, he's the prototypical Seahawk. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Rangy, um, yeah, leader. But on the flip side to it, Stingley... Like you said, his pro day was great. I do have a bit of reservation in pro days because it's like in-house. So how much are they letting you look good? Like how much are they actually, how much are they actually like, how much are they putting it it on the plate for you, if you know what I mean? Whereas in the combine, it's a bit more... More official in the combine. Yeah, exactly. That does concern me, but... The way he did his done his pro day, it's just like. Hmm. Have you seen the reps of him with Jamar Chase in practice? Yeah, but it's it's like that, and then <clears throat> you listen to everyone talking about like, do you, do, are you surprised he had down years? It's like, it's like putting someone put a thing on their Twitter. It was a British guy, clearly. It's like putting Cristiano Ronaldo in Fleetwood Town. <laughs> no disrespect to Fleetwood Town. <laughs> what what do you expect is going to happen? Yeah. He can only do so much on his own. And it's a lot harder of a sport in a way, positionally wise, to be able to do it all on your own without like losing your fucking head. And then all the shit what went on. And then you hear you, you see reports coming out and people who are like close to him, like coaches and things saying like all this questioning his character, what people are trying to do and things like that. It's like Whoever gets him is going to get the steal of the draft because, by the sounds of it, he's going to drop a lot further than he should. And I really hope he, I take any of them. Well, I'll I'll take my turn off on the chin then because my number one 
player that I would love to see the Seahawks take at number nine, realistically wise. You know, we don't know where this guy is going to go. He could be, he could go one, he could go past nine. We we just don't know. But if I was to have the pick of any sort of realistic prospect at number nine, it would it would have to be Ikemikwanu. It would have to be Ikemikwanu. He is the best for me. He's the best left tackle in the draft. He's the best run blocking left tackle in not just this year's draft, but in in any of the really drafts that I've sort of studied and and, and covered and and, and watched. Um, I, I get, don't get me wrong, I, I, would I be disappointed if Sauce Gardner or Derek Stingley is the pick at number nine? No, I absolutely wouldn't. But I don't know how we can say that offensive tackle isn't a bigger need than cornerback at this point. I think from what we've seen from Trey Brown, although it is in that sort of a bit of a fishbowl kind of viewpoint that we've had from him, it's been very limited. But what we've seen has been very positive. You've got Sidney Jones, who you know is an, is when he's healthy, he's an above average starting cornerback. On, on the outside in the NFL, in my opinion. I thought he came in and, and did pretty well for the Seahawks last season. So you know that he's pretty reliable. Um, you, you've still got guys like um, the Rhino. Um, what's, I can't even... Ryan Neal. His name slipped, me, slipped my mind there. But you can always play Ryan Neal on the outside and you've got Justin Coleman coming back. So you've got at least a couple of guys that you know, I think, are starting calibre in the NFL in my opinion, at cornerback. At this moment in time, like I said before, if the season was to start tomorrow, we would be starting the season with two tackles. That One was a fifth-round pick, or was he even a sixth-round pick last year, Stone Forsyth, and then an undrafted free agent from in Jake Khan at right tackle. Like, if we want Drew Locke to, if we want to give the best chance of Drew Locke succeeding in Seattle, which I do, I, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I, I don't hit on any Seahawks. I want every Seahawks player to do well. So I know Drew Locke isn't everyone's pick at quarterback. He's not my pick at quarterback going forward. But if we want to give him the best chance to do well, if we want DK Metcalf to have the best chance of getting the ball in his hands and and and, and playing well in Tyler Lockett and all of our key players, then you've got to, we've got to protect the quarterback. And it's not just. This isn't just about protecting Drew Locke because actually I don't think Drew Locke is going to be the answer in Seattle. I don't think he is going to be the quarterback in the next sort of four or five years. I would hope not. I would hope that would hopefully found potentially our franchise quarterback going, you know, by then. And if they do, if if it comes to next year and you get the opportunity to take maybe a Bryce Young or a Ugalele or whatever, however you pronounce his name, or even a CJ Stroud, who may well be your franchise quarterback. If, if you could already have a Nick Emikonu or maybe even an Evan Neal or any of these top tackles in place to, to, to lead that sort of that new era forward with your franchise quarterback, I, I, for me, it, it, it can't be seen as, as a, a lesser need than cornerback at this moment in time. And I think if Equanu is there, I mean, Equanu is your left tackle. He's it, it, your franchise left tackle. He is, he is that's it, done. That, that's that position taken care of. And we can and we can worry about other positions going forward. So for me, it'd be a corner at one, and I think just just below him would be Kevon Thibodeau if I could pick any of the others as well. I don't know about you, Pez or Charlie, but let's. Uh, any yes, of your I, guys wish I love Aquano. Um, I think he's. A, I agree. He's the best. He's my best offensive lineman in the in the draft. What I would say is, whilst you you're totally right, it is our biggest need. I don't agree with drafting for need. I would. Mm. I, just want, I just want the best player, especially with Seahawks right now. We shouldn't be drafting to compete. We should be drafting for a future. Mm-hmm. And I think I would be happy personally this year. Let's say if we draft, if we draft someone like Derek Stingley, signing two tackles off the street right now, someone like Brandon Shell, Dwayne Brown, and um, I think Eric Fisher's still available. 
I would happily draft um, sign two tackles like that and just take the best player. And you might be right, James. Aquari might be much better than Derek Sinley. You might, could absolutely happen. Mm. Um, I just don't see that right now. Um, that's why I would personally take Stingley over Aquano. But you are you are hundred percent right. It's a huge goal. <laughs> I, I guess it's it depends on Stone Forsyth and Jake Kerr. It is, it is, but it's like what you said. It, I guess it's who do you see as the more generational prospect? Do you think you will ever get the chance to draft as Derek Stingley again, or do you ever think you'll get the chance to draft an Akemakwanu again? And whoever it is, I think then I can't, you know, hold my hands up and you know have a problem with them taking whoever that is. Well, I, don't, I don't know about you, Pez, but if we drafted Aquano, I would be fine. I would be happy with it. Oh, oh no, no, I was going to say because, like I said. If it wasn't them two, but I very much doubt he's going to drop that far unless, yeah. like some people have said, the only way one of them two drops to us is if some of them wide receiver hungry teams above us mm. decide that one of these wide receivers is more beneficial to their team right now. Other quarterbacks. Some teams can be able to get a quarterback ahead of us. Yeah. Yeah, um, I very much doubt on the quarterbacks. I think like every year, every year the uh, national media they go on this big hype train, don't they, about a certain position or a certain prospect. Who then, when the draft turns up, it's like he ends up going in the second round, and everyone's just like, "Well, I thought he was meant to be like top five. It's like, oh fuck off! It's just hype. It's just all shite. What the national media love doing in the NFL. I think you're starting to see that with Willis, aren't you? Really? Yeah, yeah. Because now, now it's gone from Willis to Ridder. And then Matt Corral's getting involved in the conversation. Then recently, yeah. I've seen Sam Howell getting fucking chucked in there. It's just like, but it, it, it's almost like a deset, um, a default setting for these media people. It's like, well, quarterbacks the main position on the field. So if we don't talk about them, then it's like they're almost trying their best to still make the quarterback position relevant in this draft when it isn't relevant. It just mm. isn't compared to compared to the talent what there is. So would, um, would it be Stingley or, or Sauce for your number one then nine, if you could have any of them, Pez? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, it, <clears throat> I wouldn't be mad with yours. Mm-hmm. Like, don't get me wrong, because I said, if it wasn't any of them two, I don't want to see an old lineman at nine. I really don't. But um, definitely with Charlie, me and Charlie, definitely see eye to eye with this. Because do you trust? So, like you said, we've got them two holes mm-hmm. with Stone and Kern. Do you really think Pete Carroll is going to draft a lineman as a rookie and rely on him to do a job mm. when he hasn't really like a lineman this high? Yeah. He hasn't. Well, he's never had the chance, but he just he hasn't done it. Like he did take. Um, he's never taken a corner though. What's his, uh, what's his What's his bloody name from? Was it two thousand and ten? Russell Okun, yeah. Well, yeah. So he did take Russell Okun, but the issue, the difference is, and I've seen people say this, saying like it wouldn't surprise them. But I think people are forgetting that Pete, even though they talk about 2012 and that, and they, they really want to try and sell a lie to the fans, I think behind closed doors, it's nothing like that now. They fuck this up. And they're, they're, in, they're in real big shit because they're talking a real big gamble and if it doesn't work they're done so I really can't see them taking an all lineman at nine maybe unless of them two but I don't even think they'll take one of them because can they rely on them at that high of a stock to mm. do a job that needs to be done 
compared to, like Charlie said, bringing Dwayne Brown back, going after Fisher, going after experienced guys mm. who's going to help a very inexperienced quarterback. You can't have a rookie trying to learn the league, regardless how much talent is on paper. You just, yeah. in my eyes, you just can't have that protecting an uh, uh, inexperienced, under pressure quarterback. That's fair enough. Like, yeah, that's that's how I see it. I that's get how, that. That's how I see it. Yeah, safe picks, isn't it? I think this year potentially for the Seahawks. So um, taking the wide receiver at nine then. Yeah, or running back. Um, <laughs> pick, pick forty and forty-one then. Um, in terms of the guys that we've got on our wish list here, for me, I think it's blatantly obvious it's David Ajabo for me. Um, if he's there at 40 or 41 with this injury now, our team's going to be put off. If he's there at 40 or 41, right, okay, he might not start the first five, six games this season, but if he comes back and you get him healthy again and it isn't too much of a long-term problem, David Ojabo, I mean, it, he was one of the, he was, he was he was going inside the top 10, potentially, in, in before this injury. He's one of the best edge rushers in this draft, may even be the best edge rusher in this draft outside of potentially Thibodeau. Um, if you were to get him at 40-41, I mean, that could be the steal of the draft, really. If you could get a David Ajar- a healthy David Ajarbo moving forward at 40 or 41. I mean, so for me, if he's there, I, and obviously he's, he's British, isn't he? He's Scottish by uh, by nationality that he goes by, so we can always root for that as well. A Brit guy in the uh, in the Seahawks. I think he'd be the, the first British Seahawks player ever as well, so that would be a bit of a cool moment. Um, so, yeah, but talent... Everything, David Ajabo. If he's there at forty-one, I think he's the best player in the draft at that at that position at that at that moment in the draft. So he's my dream pick at, at either forty or forty-one. I don't know. I don't know about you. No, oh, no, yeah, it's definitely a gamble. Pete Carroll would take hundred percent if he's there, and like all them teams have been scared off taking him because of that injury. Pete Carroll's a hundred percent going to take a gamble on that. He just. And I think it's even a gamble. I think. Um, mm. I mean, it's an ACL. I mean. Players come back from ACLs all the time. Actually, is it Achilles? It's Achilles, Ooh, isn't yeah. it? I'm not sure. Actually. He went down with his Achilles, didn't he? In the um... yeah, yeah. So that's a bit more um, worrying than an, than an ACL. But I still, I still, in, in the second round for a talent like him, yeah, like, you don't get speed off the edge like him uh, out of the first round. And he's only got he's only started playing an, American football when he was like 18 yeah. years old. He's super yeah. new to the game. Um, like I say, so quick, so long, athletic. He could play the linebacker if he wanted to. Um, he's got that speed, speed to power move where he just looks like he's setting them up and then he just explodes through them. Mm. Uh, you know how Miles Garrett thing sometimes where he lines out really outside and he jumps the gap. Yeah, yeah. Jarbo has got that in him. I agree. Yeah, that's that's a perfect pick for me, James. Beautiful. Um, any love here for the offensive tackle? Do you think if they don't go at nine, do you think this is this is where they would take one? Um, I, I uh, look at this and I cannot see if they don't trade back from nine. Like I've always looked at it and thought, Stingley the source at nine for me, they're never picking back to back. They will trade back on one of them. They will 100%. Hmm. They, will, they will not pick back to back. Depending on how the board's going, but I could imagine even like they'll have. So many players, uh, they'll find a way to trade back from 40 or 41. They'll never pick back-to-back. I can't do, you, just do you think they should trade back, though? Because we've already got a... I mean, I agree, they probably will. But do we think... Do you, James, I don't know about you, do you think they should trade back? I think if they trade 
back from number nine and pick up some more late round picks from that one, I don't see any reason why you yeah. would pick trade back from 1441. I think, like I said, we've talked about it a little bit at the start that although it might not be the deepest talent in terms of elite talent in the draft, I think there is so much deep starting talent in this NFL draft this year. At 40-41, you know, you're going to have guys potentially like Ojabo, like a Kyler Gordon, maybe a Roger McCreary, a Desmond Ridder if you love him, potentially he's there. You know, if you want to go running back, maybe Brees Hall's there running back and there's your franchise guy. There, there is so much talent there for me. That's so what makes me, it also makes me think I wouldn't want to trade. There's just so many players who I'd want to, I'd want to draft in, in this range. Yeah. So my theory here is, so how, I, how, how I'm looking at this is, um, like I said, so we pick... So, so, uh, Stingley at nine. We get to 40 41. I think they trade one of them back because I, I just have a feeling that even though no one's probably thinking it, I think they'll, they'll, um, it'll be a telling point as well, really. Because obviously, we're talking about Chris Carson before, before, weren't we? And you yeah. see him training, but you listen to how Pete talks about Chris Carson, he doesn't fill me with confidence. Mm. It's like, I'm on the very much board that you can't like you take everything Pete says with a grain of salt. Like he's lied to us multiple times, like <laughs> no li- <laughs> live on a presser during that COVID season. He just got caught out multiple times, lying after lying after lying. And so I'm still in the ball camp of until I see Chris Carson there, he's back. So it makes me think what, kind of would highlight that he might be bigger than what he is, is if they trade back one of them two picks, I think they'll they're trading back to acquiring the third to get a running back. Okay. They're going to trade back or maybe later in the second, because I think from what I'm lis- listening to and reading, I think the two best running backs, Brees Hall and kind Walker, of yeah. <clears throat> people are expecting them to go a lot later than what people actually think they're going to go. And it wouldn't surprise me being Pete and John, whether they trade back in further into the second with with the gamble that one of them two lands to them and they will take them. Mm. Because they've got they've got skill sets that I think Pete would like on his team. I think there's a third running back who they'd prefer. Um Damien Damien Pierce out of Florida. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he like you watch Damien Pierce, you see Chris Carson. Mm. He's like a Thomas Rolls, isn't he as well? Possibly yeah. a better comp. He just runs through people. Yeah, like you know, like P. Carr always said with Marshall Lynch, like he doesn't want people running out of bounds. He wants them running through them, like yeah. like Damian Pierce is a tone setter. He might be around in the third round as long as he can uh, find a gap. Not like Travis Homer. Travis Homer, yeah, runs backwards. Uh, or, um, it was the um, oh, it was the Christian Michael. Christian, oh, oh there's oh. a throwback. Christian Michael, oh. dear yeah. me. CJ Crossice. Looking to score every point until the picks. Yeah, I need a touchdown. I need yeah. to run through this gap that's not there. Is there anyone here then for you, Charlie, in yeah. terms of a, a dream pick, maybe outside of a David Ajabo that you've got your eye on at 40 or 41? A player who I think will. Um, okay, I'll give you two of both centres. Tyler Lindenbaum, I think he's going to fall. Uh, okay. Short arms, not very explosive. Doesn't, I think he doesn't run block well, mm. but. Um, he's a player I can see Seahawks in this new scheme liking. Another one is Cam Jurgens from Nebraska. Okay, this explosive, explosive center who most most people have got fourth, fifth round grade on. No chance. He might go late first round in my opinion. 
Wow. Six, explosive, um, gets after it. Uh, too explosive, too aggressive at times. He gets flagged a lot, like, like Trevor Penning. But um, he's just one of those guys with rare traits. I don't understand why he's being uh, held back so far as a third, fourth round. I can't see that. Um, I would love Cam Yeager in the second round. Do you think it, it's tough? Because it, I think centre is still needed, even though they have brought in Austin Blythe. I think he's not a, you know, he's not pre, he's not the guy you're probably going to go with going forward. I think he's a nice bridge kind of guy at centre. He's, he's definitely an upgrade on Ethan Porsett and Kyle Fuller. Um, but is he, you know, is he a guy that you want going forward? Uh, probably not. So it is he's an interesting one. Move, move move play to guard. I'm not a huge game mm. Jackson fan, so you can move one of them and play guard, no problem. Anyone here for you, Pez, maybe other than Ajabo or I don't know, is there anyone taking your eye? No, I like uh, I like what you said. I like Linderbaum from everything I've heard of him. Um he'd be he'd be my guy. Like he he'd be the one I'd like there, definitely. He's definitely one I'd uh, take at forty if he's still but by the sounds of it and by the looks of it, like you do every every mock you want under the sun, he's always in that first round towards the end and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, but it, also, it, I've got about seven linebackers in the second round who I love. Any of those would be, in my opinion, great picks for Seattle. There's so many linebackers in the, in the second round. Who, who, go on then. Who, who, who are you saying? Because I, I think a lot of people might be surprised because I think they're going to go for a line, one of them linebacker hybrids who can rush, like cover. You know, there's, yeah. there'll be someone in this draft who they're, who they're looking at. So my number one linebacker is Nicobe Dean out of Georgia. Um, he's he's like like he's like how I would want to play. Like I'm a big linebacker, right? I'm I'm not fast. I'm I can't like just explode. Nicobe Dean, right, just sits there and knows he's gonna get to a ball, read to play. When it's happened, what's happened when it goes, and he's always in the right place, always around the ball, covers like a safety, gets from point eight, knives through contact, takes on blockers like a D lineman, love the way he plays. I agree with you, Erpez. Devin Lloyd is their kind of guy. Um, I personally am was my fourth linebacker. Uh, there's two other linebackers out of Georgia, Channing Tindall and Quay Walker, who uh, Georgia's defense this year was an absolute joke. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah. You just, well, just go to them. If anyone's there in the later rounds, you just get them, get them, yeah. pick them fuckers up. There's just a few more names. There's one guy from Wisconsin called Leo Chanel. And like, mm-hmm. if, it's, if this was 1984, he might be the first pick, uh, pick overall. Uh, he just comes down and bangs people. He moves people every single play. He plays the run beautifully. Not doesn't really uh, pass cover well. Mm-hmm. But still a young guy. He's, you know, you can coach that. Um, Brian Asamoa, Jojo Doman, Chad Moomer. There's, there's a lot of talent in the second round. It is, yeah. Linebacker is a position we need. Who who would you say then, out of the list? Because realistically, it's going to be second, third round, like where I could imagine they would might surprise a few and take a linebacker. Who's your best cover linebacker? Brian Asamoa out of Oklahoma. He's Sorry to put in. Do you know what's weird about him is every mock draft, I just got a frenzy. I was doing one after another, after another, after another, just seeing I was really trying to get Stingley and Source to prove my point in my head what I wanted. They never fell to me. But that um, um, Samoa was always there late on. Why, why is that? Uh, undersized. Um, people might see him as a, as a big safety. or um, he He's very ski-specific. He'll need to play in a free forward Seattle plays. He can't play middle lap by himself. He's not big enough. But you put him next to Jordan Brooks, that is the 
perfect duo. Jordan Brooks is your run guy. Asamoah is your coverage guy. I would love that. Just before we finish on the um, in terms of what we need to do to make this draft a success, um, there is one guy that I think we, we've touched on the Georgia defense. I think that in terms of a surprise pick that the Seahawks might make, that I can't help but think that they would just love to take him, and that's Jordan Davis, the defensive yeah. title. I just I, over these past few weeks, I've just been seeing a few more tweets about saying Seattle would love a Jordan. Da- like, like I'm not saying he's Aaron Donald, but it's like we know fine well what Aaron Donald has done to us in the NFC West, the impact that he's had. We see it firsthand. It, it's, I just have a feeling that although there's obviously blatant you know, needs that are, that are higher than, than defensive tackle at this moment in time, like you've said, Charlie, will they draft a need or will they draft best player available? And they might even look at and think John Davis might be one of the best, if not the best, maybe D-lineman in the draft outside of, like say, maybe a Hutchinson or a Thibodeau, maybe. Um like I say, if they, if they want an interior defensive lineman, I don't know how you've got them right, Charlie, but I don't see that much depth at that position outside of maybe a Jordan Davis. Um, so if, if they want to address that and they want, I, I I just, I can't help but feel that he might be the pick that surprises a lot of people with Seattle. Um, I don't know what you, I don't know what your thoughts are on him, Charlie. Yeah, I mean, like I keep saying, he's quintessential Seahawks. He's he's the guy, isn't he? He's mm. like, um, he's Red Brian. You know what I mean? Red he's, Brian, yeah. He's, he's one of those guys that will just, Stop the run every single play. My issues with him is, is he a two-down player? Can he rush the passer? Yeah. Um, he's a big dude, James. He's 360. Like, can 360. He, play every, he play every snap? Because he didn't at Georgia. He needed to come off a lot. Like, he would yeah. play five snaps, and he was tired. Yeah. Like, that is worrying. Um, the lack of power production is a little worrying, but the traits, I mean, you want upside, like, yeah, he's 100% could be the best player in this draft. Um, I actually think his teammate inside, Devontae Wyatt, is another player who Seattle could look for. Yeah, he's interesting. Like, um, Sheldon Richardson sort of free technique who will play inside and can get you some pass rush. Not mm-hmm. as big as, as, um, as Jordan Davis, but he may, he may be the interior pass rusher in Seattle been looking for since they tried to draft Malik McDowell. Malik McDowell, Mr. ATV accident, dearie me. Let's hope for not no ATV accidents this year, just, I'll tell you what. Just a quick one um, on trading back in the first. Well, he, he was a later first round, and now everyone's like speaking about him a bit more, and he's, his position's a bit more screwed up. But I'm going to go with, if he goes a bit later, is that Zion Johnson, the guard from Boston College, I, I've not I've not watched any tape of him or anything like that. Like I said, I'm not a big old line guy, but I was watching Good Morning Football and he was on there, and I just loved, like I, I just loved listening to him talk. His his understanding and his like in depth knowledge of the game. You just you, you just got filled with confidence straight away. And I know it's a guard and not a tackle, but it's like he said he's played across the line because mm. he came from basketball and golf. Funny enough, he's a big ass guy and he was playing golf until his mum told him to get playing football. <laughs> and from re like after watching him, reading bits about him and like I just sort of thought, yeah, I'd love to I love him on our line. Yeah, it's a good shout. Versatile guard center. Yeah, it could be one of the best interior offensive linemen in the draft. So yeah, that's that's potentially they have to keep an eye on then. Um so let's finish then with with what do we think the Seahawks need to have done coming out of Sunday 
for us to look back and say, we can't obviously say it's going to be a successful one player-wise yet because we don't know how these players are going to play yet. But in terms of what do they need to do, what needs they need to address, what do the Seahawks have to be seen to be doing in this year's draft to to instill that confidence again and re and reinstall that belief that that we can trust Pete and we can trust John and we can believe in this team again going forward in this is it a rebuild is it not a rebuild kind of era what what's the thoughts on that? Can we go first? Can do, Charlie yeah. mate. Three words, mate. B P A. Best player available. Okay. Best player on the board at the time. I don't want. I don't want to. I get it. We've got holes at linebacker. We've got holes at tackle. We've got holes across the field. We've got holes at quarterback. Don't draft a quarterback at nine because we need a quarterback. Draft players who will be here when we when we want to win in two, three years' time. Mm-hmm. We need blue chip talent. There's guys at nine who will who will be available at nine who are potentially blue chip talents. Draft those. Don't draft. I don't want to see Malik Willis. I don't want to see Matt Corral. Yeah. Dr. Desmond Ritter. I want to see Derek Stingley. I want to see Jermaine Johnson. I want to see Ikea Kwano. I want to see Evan Neal. Best Count, player available. Counter to your point as well then, Pez, on, on, when he's mentioned Malik Willis there. If, if they do draft Malik Willis at number nine, I won't be on this podcast then and you'll have to host it because I will I will lose whatever brain cells I've got left in my head if Malik Willis is the, is the pick at number nine. My goodness gracious. You know, you, know, right. you, know, you know, we used to get annoyed with Russell Wilson holding the football for too long. Malik yeah. Willis, I mean, Jesus Christ. He will hold the ball for five seconds if, if, if he wants to. Like, it's outrageous. But, but you know what? Let, let's make him a number nine. or Let's make him a first round pick because he can throw a deep ball at his pro. I just, I don't understand it really with Malik Willis. Like, it, it, it was 27 <laughs> to like 12 touchdown ratio at Liberty. Like, almost a two for one touchdown interception ratio at Liberty. Liberty, not not Alabama, not Ohio State. Liberty, same with Kenny Pickett, Pittsburgh. Like, I just I just don't get it with these quarterbacks other than Desmond Ritter and Matt Corral for me. So not Malik Willis, please. Yeah, I, I echo everything Charlie said there. Um, <clears throat> I agree exactly the same. Um, it is. It's just picking. Stop. Don't get cute. Don't get cute. Don't do what you've done for the last fucking six years and get very cute with your AJ Collier and your fucking Rashad. Like, Rashad Penny looked really good last year and I'm backing him all the way. But he'd have to, to, to justify the pick and everything that happened, he'd have to have a full year of just breakout to even justify that. Because it's a bit tightening because of everything that's happened since that. So he gets a bit of shit what isn't really his own. But yeah, it's just don't get cute. Just pick the best you possibly can. And if if, if there's nothing there at nine, just just trade back. Don't don't just pick someone for the fucking sake of it. Okay. Uh, like I say, I, I echo all of that. Sorry, don't, no, pick on. don't pick a quarterback. No, not at nine anyway. At um, first, before I looked into the draft, I was like, yeah, I like Malik Willis. He sees some good things. I saw a good YouTube video where the, a guy who follows a little bit, he broke down how he's moldable. If he goes to the right team, he could really be a quality NFL talent. But as, as I started looking to it more, I was just like, I don't want any of them. I don't. I just don't want any of them. I, re- I really don't. I don't want Matt Corral. I don't want... Unless they, unless they were... Uh, a really good sweet spot. Say they fell late. We 
got some picks in the late second, third, and for whatever reason, one of them was there. I could take it. I just don't want it. I bought okay. into the. I bought into the shit show a quarterback what it's gonna be. And like, kind of like Charlie said, just pick what's best of it. Like, like, like you said, tank next. If you, if you, if you, it's not even tank. If you do shit this year, you pick up a good one next year. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Bryce Young, yeah. Um, I, I echo what both of you have said. For me, it, it's that, and then it it's a little two-part for me. It's it's find that identity again, which you want to go with for the next, you know, to lead us into the future. Find your identity. Find what you want this team to be going forward and, and draft players that will fit that. But for me, I, I want to see us draft players who are going to want to be here, if that makes sense. I know they don't particularly have a choice, really, when it comes to the draft unless your name's Eli Manning. Um, but I, mean, I see I see guys, you know, all the analysts talking about someone like a George Karlaftis who's just a, a blue-collar kind of, he doesn't care where he'll get drafted. If he gets drafted to the Texans, he'll go there and give us everything for the Texans that like he won't kick up a fuss or anything. I just want players. We're in a situation now as the Seahawks, whether, whether they want to spin it as it, you know, not being a rebuild and we're still, you know, want to win a championship this year and everything like that. Realistically, they're in a little bit of a rebuild here. So we don't need... So I don't want them to make a move for Baker Mayfield. I'm happy with Drew Locke because I know that Drew Locke, he might not be the answer, but Drew Locke isn't going to divide the locker room. He's going to have the support of every player and he's going to want to do his very best for not just himself, but he's going to want to, you know, elevate his team, elevate the guys around him. Whereas someone like Baker Mayfield, you see him making mistakes and, and doing bad things because he's a bit of a selfish player he's the number one overall pick he wants to be seen to putting things on 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 tape drew locks a second round pick he's more of a team oriented guy i want these kind of guys who are going to come in knuckle down accept that we might not be very good for a couple of years because you take you take a source is he going to kick up a fuss two or three years down the line because we're not winning and, and demands to get traded to, to win a super is he going to be that kind of character I think character is is going to be a really important thing over the next couple of years when they're looking at prospects. Who can we trust to that we can turn on and say to them, look, we might not be able to market the Seattle Seahawks as a team that we were five, six, seven years ago to you, but come in and and just and just give it everything and and just be committed to this team for for the here and now. And so I, th- I think I think they are. I think for me, you've got to be careful with character for me over these next couple of years. So I want to I want to see guys who are committed. And I want to see this team find its identity again through the draft and whatever that might be. Um, and and it's like you guys are don't don't now is not the time for me really to be taking big home run swings for me. If you're the Bucks, if you're the Bengals, if you're the Chiefs who have got a Super Bowl caliber team anyway, and you want to take a swing at, at you know a Thibodeau or whatever, if you're in the top three and you want to take a a swing on a Thibodeau or a swing on a boom or bust kind of guy, then fair enough, you can do that because is he going to make that much of a difference to your Super Bowl caliber team? No. If you're a team like Seattle, we can't afford boom or bust, really. We can't afford to be taking big... I'd rather take guys who have got a much higher ceiling, a, a higher floor, sorry, than, than maybe a higher ceiling kind of thing. Guys that we know are going to come in and improve this team for the next however many years. And, and you know, they might not be the best player in their position at the draft, but they're going to be darn good players for us going forward. And they're going to be committed. So that that's that's all I want, really, for this for this draft. And... Um, I, I'm as, I am confident, to be honest. I, 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 I'm confident. I think the Seahawks, I think John and Pete will know that their heads are absolutely on the chopping block if they get this wrong. And yeah, that might incite a bit of unnecessary or unneeded or un, unwanted pressure. 
but they know they've got to get this right. They know they've got to, you know, they, they've got to play this to to some degree, play it safe with these with these players that they know that, that, that they can trust. So I'm I'm confident. I'm excited that we are going to get some players that that we're going to be very excited by. So um, yeah, if if unless anyone else has got anything to add, um, then we'll wrap it up. Tell you what, pets, that got me fired up. I don't know about you. I'm excited now. Let's go. Oh, Charlie, mate. Charlie, mate. He is. He's got the the most beautiful speeches in his locker you'll ever hear from anyone. I I was sitting back and just enjoying that. If you if you want if you're struggling with a piece in one of your papers, hit up James. He'll have a fucking paragraph for you in and off. Oh, I put, uh, I put thingy with Bob from Friday Night Lights to shame me. I can't remember his name now. Um, <laughs> but on, yeah, it, it's um, that that that's that's what we need to do. Um, so yeah, man, it's uh, it's an exciting week. I hope you're all going to enjoy it. Um, I'm actually I, I'm going to admit it on it on it. I'm away fishing. That might sound embarrassing to a lot of people. <laughs> I'm away fishing Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Oh. I am going to be getting back on the Sunday evening with it recorded. I'm going to record it. I'm going to watch it, and I'm going to. I might even tweet out saying I'm back. How how disappointed am I going to be? And I'm just going to watch it behind a behind my sofa and and hope and hope that they don't mess this up. But um, yeah, at least at least if they do mess it up, I won't be aware of it for two or three days, and and I'll have time. No, I won't have internet. I'm I'm out in the great outdoors. I'm I'm, I'm. in the wilderness, I'm I'm What's bare grills in it. Yeah? What's your network? We Tesco Mobile. <laughs> I've got mobile data, but you know how much? It, hey, these these expensive phones, mate. Nowadays, I ain't got no Nokia. I ain't got no flip phone. This is this is touch screen and everything. Yeah, my phone. It's fucking... I might be from Preston, right? But we're not. This <laughs> this Well, where's your unlimited data? Fucking hell! What well, you I don't want have unlimited phone? data. It's a Huawei. It's one of these hacking phones things that they all use to. You know what I mean? So, oh, man. so no, we, I, I'm gonna stay well away from it. We should have just... left it on the prophet speech. The prophet had spoken. Hey, oh, you. I, I just needed to acknowledge the, the speech, Pez. It was just too. It was too. Oh powerful. no, yeah. oh, thank Charlie. you, it's a, it's a pleasure to listen to. I'm happy you've experienced. Well, uh, we'll we'll put a bit of Celine Dion behind that, and then we'll all get everyone can get the uh, and get the Kleenex out and get the t- tissues ready. Go on, Charlie. Through all. Through both our Twitters, we need to get as many people tagging James in the draft stuff to make him sweat on Twitter. Fifty-six Agreed. notifications. He's like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> all you all you have to do is send me the initials of Malik Willis, or, or just send me a message, Malik, Willis, and I will be, I'll, I'll be absolutely. You know the best thing about it, James, is you'll have some sort of signal. I'm ringing you. On Friday, you can try, mate. You can I'm gonna try. ring you. And I'm gonna be like, "Oh my God, Malik Willis! Oh fuck!" Oh, it's well, Trevor Yeah, you've now, so I'm just it. it. Throw yourself in river. <laughs> in river, it's a lake, mate. Honestly, what lake? Whereabouts is it? It's in Moulton, in Yorkshire. Whereabouts? Whereabouts in Moulton? Where? Where's it near? That, that's York. all the information you get. Is it York? It's near York, yeah. Right. Well, I go around there sometimes with my job. I swear to God, James, come Friday, I'm driving to your lake. I'll find you. All right. It, <laughs> hey, it's on. I'll, I'll hold you to it. For a big um, Willie Willis flag. Willie <laughs> Willis flag. Dude, that hasn't come in time for the draft. You haven't ordered that before this, before last week. Um, anyway, 
that's been the draft podcast. Uh, well, obviously, once the, the chaos has, has ensued and we've taken whoever we've taken, we'll be back on and discussing everything that the Seahawks have done over the course of the draft weekend. But I hope you all enjoy it. I hope you all make of it what it is and, and just, like I say, try not to get yourself too worked up over it because it is out of our hands now and they will take who they take. Um, but yeah, enjoy it, everyone. And uh, Pez, a big thank you to you, as always, mate, for coming on. And Charlie, a big thank you as well to, for coming on tonight with us, mate. You're welcome anytime. Um, do you want to quickly shout out where people can go and find you in that on, on Twitter and social media? Yeah, thank you very much, guys. If you have a podcast, listen to it all the time. I appreciate coming on. Absolute joy. Um, yeah, at Charlie Rich PLC on Twitter. I'll be um, a few more posts throughout this week. I've got my offensive line rate uh, rated wide receiver and running backs to come out. So I'll be up on my Twitter tomorrow. Lovely. Spot on. We can't wait to read that as well. Um, so, yeah, everyone, enjoy draft week. I hope you all have a great time. Again, thanks to you two boys for coming on tonight. And a big go Hawks, man. Oh, Hawks. Oh, Hawks.